Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us the CEO of Optimizer, Fred Valley, and one of Google's first 500 employees. Yes, that is correct. He spent about 10 years at Google building AdWords, I believe, and teaching people like you and me how to get the most out of it and how to use it. So, Fred, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Quinn. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here, Fred. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things that I think it's amazing is every time I think of anybody that has worked at Google, you know, like the NASA worthy brain, is everybody that goes to Google, do they have to be like, the, uh, do they have to have an IQ of 500? <laughs> I don't think the IQ actually goes that high, but uh, <laughs> well, it's funny you ask, right? So I joined Google relatively early on and a big hiring funnel for them was Stanford University. So you get some, I suppose, pre-qualified people who met certain benchmarks um, and it didn't hurt to have that. Now, for a long time, Google had this whole thing about only hiring from top echelon schools. Um, but Google is very data-driven, right? So they started doing a little bit of research and correlational studies to say, do the people who come with the higher GPAs, with the higher SAT scores, because yes, I actually did have to disclose my SAT score to get hired for Google, which was sort of weird because I'd already had other jobs before, but they, they do this correlation and they find that there's actually not that much correlation between the top tier schools and performance within Google. Um, and so they, they lowered the kinds of schools that they were looking at, right? You could come from any school and still get a job, but, but certainly it doesn't hurt to be intelligent. But I, I think intelligence also comes in many ways and it's not just uh, book smarts, but it's also emotional intelligence and just being, you know, functioning well in the real world. Driven. True, that's very true. Uh, one of the reasons my, that may influence me to think this way is I saw this documentary once of about Google and the journalist interviewed somebody that used to work at NASA. He was a NASA engineer. And they said, they asked him, so you used to work at NASA and now you're here at Google. Does that feel like a step down? And he said, well, for me to get into NASA, there was about six books that he needed to know the contents of them completely. And he said four of those were written by people that work here at Google. Yeah. So I that was kind of mind-blowing to me. And that's kind of what influenced me to think this way. So is it all fun and games like we see on those documentaries where you can, you know, be chewing an apple, playing foosball, and uh, <laughs> watching you? Well, yeah, I can certainly speak about the days when I was there, right? Um, and it has been 10 years, so I think things have uh, shifted a little bit. But yeah, back then, it was uh, work hard, play hard. Um, I mean, listen, one of my first experiences within Google was playing roller hockey in the parking lot with uh, the two founders. Uh, and actually, Larry had already sort of stopped playing roller hockey. He had some back issues. But, uh, but Sergey and I, we played together roller hockey in the parking lot. And my first interaction with, you know, one of the richest men in the world 
um, at, at this time, of course, but uh, but it was just like I actually checked him because I didn't know who he was, and I kind of put him on his behind, and then people are like, "Oh my God, that's Sergey! Like, don't do that to Sergey!" Um, <laughs> so so it was a, it was a lot of fun, a lot of games, but then also, you know, high expectations on the type of work that we would do, and uh, and pretty competitive, of course, to get in, but also competitive to move up in the ranks of Google. And, and that's ultimately, I think, what also made it fun, right? You want to be, I mean, maybe thinking about the whole NASA versus Google thing, like in a NASA project, I mean, you build a rocket and 10 years later, that might come to fruition. That might actually be launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Google, things move so much faster in internet, uh, internet speed. Um, and that's what makes it so interesting to many people is that you can really have a, a big impact on the world in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's if you don't launch today, Somebody may launch that tomorrow, right? A competitor. <laughs> exactly. Don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Mm. Um, and so that, that obviously you can't do that with a rocket because if it's just good enough and it blows up, well, uh, that's pretty bad. But when it comes to a search result, there's a little bit more liberty that you can take and you can say, hey, we're going to try this new way of ranking the results or this new way of advertising. And we'll immediately start collecting feedback on what that experience is like, and then we'll make it better from that point on. And so that was one of the, the 10 core principles of Google innovation um, that really made them into what they are today. Beautiful. So what exactly was your job? You worked uh, with AdWords. You were building the platform or helping build the platform. Yeah. So I got into Google because I went to Stanford, so I got recruited. But uh, in the beginning, I didn't actually want to take the job because they just wanted me to review ads. And I was like, I've got an electrical engineering degree. Like, this is totally below me. I'm not coming. Um, Now, financially, that was a bit of a mistake because if I joined at that time, even as a a lowly uh, support person, I probably would have made more than any engineer makes at many other companies. But uh, but so I hold out a little bit and eventually they come back and they say, actually, we were going to launch AdWords, this advertising product into the Benelux market and we needed to be translated into Dutch. And I happened to be from Belgium. I was living in the Bay Area. And so I had that very special skill of speaking Dutch and being able to translate AdWords and then do the initial customer support for that whole region. Uh, At that point, I said, yeah, sure, I want to do this. I want to join the company. And that's how I got in. And then I got into more of an evangelist role, product role. So uh, I was involved in the acquisition of a company called Urchin, uh, Urchin is now known as Google Analytics. Um, I was involved in building things like conversion tracking because, yes, surprisingly, there actually was a time when we were doing digital marketing and we could not know what led to a conversion. So we had to build that for everyone. Um, so got to do some fun things. And then I was an evangelist, which was more of an educational role, a, a marketing PR sort of role going out into the world and really explaining where Google was coming from, what it saw for the future, how that connected to advertisers and helping those advertisers be more successful with the ads platform. Mm. And you know, you know, what's funny you mentioned how there was a time where conversion tracking didn't exist and believe it or not, I remember those days. And what's funny is that when I first heard of conversion tracking, my first thought was, it was actually a crazy thought, but I thought like, why do I care how, how people convert as long as I know that they did convert? At the time I was thinking that, and, and now looking back, it's kind of mind blowing because 
you need to know, right? To lower your costs and know exactly what's working. Yeah. But my thought was that, like, why do I need to know, right? I'm selling. That's so true. I mean, for the longest time in, in advertising, there was the saying that half of your budget is wasted. You just don't know which half. And nobody cares because your business is growing. And honestly, like in the early days of doing search marketing, people didn't care. I mean, they were just putting in a couple thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars would come out at the end. And who cared where that came from? But then it got competitive, right? Because now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, search marketing, buying keywords. Like that's a good thing. That's going to grow my business. And the prices keep going up and up. And all of a sudden, this whole optimization question is much more important. And that's if you don't have the, the granular data for optimization, then you can't do that much. And that's also why, why I started a new company, Optimizer, which is all about you know, helping those advertisers be more effective when they're actually spending. Um, and nowadays, we're not usually talking about hundreds or thousands of dollars, like a big advertiser now spends mm-hmm. millions of dollars per month on the Google Ads platform. So you started Optimizer, uh, and I, I'm guessing you had a team with you the the build it and everything. So is it Not safe really. to say? Not is really. it safe? <laughs> oh, really? So is it safe to say that you are Google certified? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, one of the things I did while I Google was I wrote the certification test. So yes, I was able to pass it because I wrote the questions. <laughs> Um, I mean, I even have a little badge back there, my Google thank you plaque for building the certification program. Um, but no, I mean, the way that we started a company was actually very different. So I left Google because it was getting too big for me. Right. So the fun and games was a little bit less fun and games, um, and more doing exactly what a boss, like five levels removed, wanted you to do. Uh, And that didn't really sit that well with me. Uh, because I thought I was doing really impactful work at Google and they wanted me to shift it in one of the many reorgs. So whatever, I I left and then I started doing a bit of consulting. And I was actually a little bit shocked at how manual and tedious it was to manage an, a good AdWords campaign. And so that was kind of, I was blaming myself, right? Because I was on the product team that built so many of these efficiency capabilities. Uh, I was also on the, the one of the six people who started the Google AdWords editor Right, that's the biggest efficiency tool that's out there. Many advertisers use that, um, but then here I go out into the real world, actually running my own ads campaigns, and it's like, wow, this takes way too much time. It's way too difficult. So I started writing ad scripts, and these scripts would be little automations and little efficiency tools that I could use to make my own accounts run better. And then I was like, well, I could scale my impact on the world much more if I built the software and gave it to other people and those other people pay me for that work rather than me just running these campaigns. And so that's when Optimizer came to be. And I actually met two of my co-founders by writing an article, a blog post on Search Engine Land. And I I had written a free script and I gave it away to people. And these two people in India, they, they read it and they were like, hey, we should reach out to Fred. So they filled out the form on Search Engine Land. And then uh, we had a half hour phone call and immediately it just clicked. It was like, they were trying to do the same thing I was trying to do, but I was here in Silicon Valley. I had the connections into Google. I was like this former evangelist and they were really good at operations. Uh, They had also worked at Google, but in the India office and the other founder had worked at Microsoft in India. He was really good at technology. So we're like, we got the perfect founding team and we put our brains together um, and we started Optimizer. Beautiful. So you know how you mentioned how it used to be so tedious and for a lot of people it still is. 
You know, what was one of the most amazing features to me that Google launched, it was search, uh, dynamic dynamic uh, search ads, Mm -hmm. where I could have a blank title and it would fill it with what the person searched. That to me was... uh, it was so exciting when it first came out. It was a, it was a good money maker when somebody typed in what is the best uh, Bluetooth speaker, for example, uh, and on the ad it, you get the best Bluetooth speaker. Right, they're getting exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Those those were so good, and it was half I could say half automated because I still had to type what's what the uh, like your value prop and sort of like your yeah. url and all or actually the url is also filled in automatically no but you're right and that's what's so fascinating is that uh you know a lot of people maybe when they're advertising their products on amazon they don't realize how much automation google has made available and so dynamic search ads are one of these things but then you have smart shopping campaigns and actually smart shopping campaigns are going away they're being replaced by performance max campaigns but they basically do the same thing um and, and that's one of the fascinating things in this space is that it's really easy for someone who sells products to just start marketing this and google is so good at matching intent to the ad um, and so they'll do that for you but then what about those people listening to the session today who do this for a living right they're professional marketers they're like, oh my God, now I got to compete against another thousand people because they made it so easy. Google did. Mm. Um, and how do you set yourself apart? And that's a little bit what I think about uh, quite extensively. So I, I recently wrote a book. It's called Unlevel the Playing Field. You can find it on Amazon, but it, it's basically about how do you stand out when there's so much automation and how do you actually uh, leverage techniques like automation layering to make those automations from Google do an even better job? So how do you how do you tweak it and push it into the direction that really matters for you? All right. So now back to optimizer. Personally, when I look for a tool for any kind of ads, I often think the person that owned this tool, do they know, or the whoever made the tool, do they know everything about ads? Uh, because there are certain things that I want my ad campaigns to do that most people don't. A lot of people, they may try to get as much profit as possible from a certain campaign. Me, for example, I want to get a lot of conversions because, uh, for example, selling on Amazon, conversions are what gets the algorithms excited uh, or a conversion rate. So sometimes to me, the profit is not the most important thing because down the road, those conversions are helping me rank organically. So it's kind of like SEO for Amazon. So in your case, we already know that you do know about ads. You are kind of one of the people that created the the whole uh, the whole AdWord platform and everything. So now that that's aside, tell me what can Optimizer do for me and anybody that's listening. Well, I think you you kind of alluded to it quite well, which is you like to do things that are a little bit different than typical. And I think what it comes down to is that you have this group of, uh, it, it's a more limited set of people who really know the best practices quite well. 
But those best practices aren't necessarily what the ad platforms like Amazon or Google make easy to do, right? Because they're building a platform that has to work for millions of advertisers, the majority of whom are happy with average results. But someone like you, you want to be beyond average. And that's why you have these more sophisticated or different best practices. But those are tedious to do because, again, it's not the majority use case. And that's where we come in. So we take those best practices and we make them much easier to implement. Um, So very simple example on Google ads, if you build a shopping campaign, you have to build out product groups. And now if you have a catalog of say half a million products, that could be extremely tedious. Like I, I literally spent two weeks of my life going through like clicking things to um, like put, put my products into one category and then a subcategory and then a product ID. Okay, but if you have 50 categories and you have to open each one of these and then split that down into 10 subcategories, now you got 500 places to click to do that last split into product ID. Um, And that was just ridiculous. When I did that, I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And that better way was just a tool, right? A tool where you go in and in 30 seconds, you tell it, I wanna do category, subcategory, product ID. And then no matter how many products are in it, the script will just run. And so Optimizer just handles it for you and puts things in the right place. And yeah, sometimes even the tool takes 20 minutes to do this. Um, but it's doing this programmatically, right? And so then that's kind of where we come in uh, and we can really help advertisers be more f- efficient with their time, but also because they're now doing the best practices that they know they should be doing, the results also get better. So they get better performance in the campaign. They got more time to spend with their kids or their family or to work on better strategies. So everybody's happy. So if I if I get an optimizer account for Google Ads, for example, do I still have to go to Google Ads to create my campaign there? Or now can I create the campaign on Automizer and like API would just send it to Google? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have a, a product which is called Campaign Automator. And that one, we can take your structured data. So if you're a merchant and you already have structured data about your products that you provide into Amazon, for example, we can take that spreadsheet or that CSV file or whatever it is, that API, and we can plug it into this templating system called Campaign Automator, and it will just then spit out the right keywords. So you can say, okay, well, I want to include my title, uh, my product name in the title, and I would want to put the color variation in the description, and then I want to have a keyword that combines the color with the name, with the blah, 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 whatever, right? And again, we can do this across massive data sets and then it spits out the campaigns and then this runs on a daily basis. So tomorrow, if you've sold out of the blue shoe, but you still have the pink one, well, we'll take uh, we'll take the keywords for the blue ones offline, we'll pause them and then the, the pink ones will still run. Um, and so you're never wasting money on the stuff that you don't sell. So that's campaign automator. And then from that point, once you have the ads, you can go into optimizer and optimizer is then much more about you know, are we bidding at the right level? Do we have the budgets allocated between the right platforms, right? Maybe you run some ads on Facebook and maybe those are doing better than the ones on Google. It's usually the other way around actually, right? But but, but we figure out where, where are you most efficient? And in your case, you said you prioritize conversions. So that can be part of our algorithm. So we'll say reallocate the budgets automatically to get you more conversions. And so we figure out, well, we have, you know, maybe 10% more budget could have been spent on, on Google um, because that's the most efficient platform. 
So we reallocate it there and then we take it out of the least efficient uh, system. So it's a lot of optimizations that we do. And then we also have a reporting capability so that at the end of the month, you can send a nice report to your boss, your client, whoever it is. So let's see if I get this right. You can have, let's say you have your Google campaigns and then Facebook campaigns and your tool will compare them both, see which one is working best between the two or three or whatever you have. So you can allocate your budget to the best working one that is another platform. So you can take budget from your Facebook campaigns to to the Google ones all in optimizer. Is that it? Exactly. Is that it? exactly. So we allow you to do cross-platform optimizations like that. And then we also have the deep dive optimizations within each platform. Um, so for Amazon, for example, uh, you could again do something where you look at you know, target cost per acquisition or uh, tacos. Um, and you can sort of automatically bid differently based on the performance results that you see. Or we can look at search terms reports and we can say, hey, here's a, a search that somebody did, but you don't have it as a keyword. So let's just go ahead and make it as a keyword. So uh, all of these optimizations that usually, I mean, you would be doing anyway, but just doing very manually, very time consuming. We can automate those. Awesome. Now, a lot of the people that are listening, probably the majority of the people that are listening are, are exclusive to selling on Amazon. So you can create campaigns on Google to get external traffic from Google to Amazon. And uh, I guess if you guys that are listening, if you haven't tried that, that's probably something you should try. Uh, I'm not saying it works for everybody, but depending on what you sell and to who uh, that that getting traffic is always a benefit, right? So for somebody that doesn't know the Google platform, but sells on Amazon and wants to get external traffic from Google, uh, do these auto campaigns work to get traffic to Google, uh, to Amazon? Yeah, and that's a little bit tricky because Google does have a rule that says there can only be one ad per domain on any given search. So it is possible that Amazon itself is already advertising on your keyword for your product. Um, in that case, what Google does is they literally say which ad has the highest ad rank. And that's a combination of quality score as well as bid. So it is conceivable that you have a better product, which has a higher quality score because it's more relevant to what the user was searching for. And that even with a lower bid, you can still be the main Amazon ad. Uh, but then at the same time, there might be five other sellers on Amazon selling the same sort of product who you're competing against. So that, that's kind of the tricky thing. Um, and for that reason, it's always beneficial if you can somehow set up a separate website, even if it's just a landing page that has that product on it, right? Because then you don't have that restriction. Uh, but yes, then Google makes it very easy nowadays to run these campaigns. So I mean, it's looking to performance max as one campaign type. And then like you were saying, a dynamic search ad. Um, campaign. And that fundamentally just looks at the organic results of your website and then finds when there's an organic match to a, 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 an ad, and it will sort of automatically put the ad together. Um, a lot of advertisers, they use it as backfill. So they will, they will have their own list of keywords they prioritize. And then the DSA finds any keywords the advertiser may have not thought about or not have had time to put up a, an ad for each of the landing pages. But you could run it by itself as well and just have the whole thing handle it for you. 
So if I create a landing page, do you think the SEO of that landing page, does that interfere with the ad itself, like the cost per click or something? Just because the relevancy of the page to a certain keyword, right? If it is an older page that has good SEO, it has some organic ranking too, right? So it has relevancy to that search term. Does that interfere when it comes to the PPC on Google or the cost is the same? Yeah, no, it, it can. And that's actually a, a great question. See, everything's connected, right? Google says there's no, uh, there's a Chinese wall between, sorry, I don't know if that's the right term, but, but there's, there's basically a wall between the paid and the organic side of the business. So they don't really influence each other. But what you do have to realize is both of the ads and the organic results show up on the same page and they have independent measurement systems for seeing what is relevant. And so in your scenario, because you have a really good landing page that shows up organically, maybe a lot of people like to click on that. And so they don't click on the ad so much. Mm -hmm. So in that scenario, Google will say, hey, the ad, even though it may be a fantastic ad, it doesn't look like users enjoy it. They don't think it's relevant. And so the rank will start dropping. Your price will start going up. Um, and we had a really funny story. This was like 15 years ago now, but Netflix was advertising on the keyword Netflix, which is obviously their own brand name. Uh, but our team at Google had said, hey, you guys have low quality score, low relevance for that keyword. And it was fully automatically calculated. And so the Netflix team was really pissed off and they called us up. And we're like, we looked into it and it was because they had such good organic listing that everybody was clicking on the organic uh, yeah. listing. And so then we're like, well, you should be happy because you don't have to pay for this traffic. You're still getting it. You just need to talk to your SEO team and kind of like put your data sets together to understand that you own that page. You're getting all the value from that page. You're just not having to pay us, right? We'd, we'd happily take your money, but you don't have to. Um, and so that's an interplay that does happen. And like you were saying. Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, I'm personally, as a user, when I search anything on Google, if I see the result that I have, that, that I want on that first page, I do not click on the ads. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just because I'm a marketer too, and I don't want to waste their money, but I don't click on the ads. I go, I scroll down, I find the organic one, I click on it. And a funny thing was doing that, I think it was just yesterday, doing that with Canva, I don't know. This is actually a good a good ad that they have. If you type in Canva alternatives, the first ad that you see is Canva themselves, yeah. and it says Canva. There's no alternative, nice. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so now I see what you what you mean because the ad itself doesn't have enough click through rate, so it loses relevancy. Exactly. Wow. I never thought about that. Well, I guess because I never had uh, a brand uh, big like Netflix, so I didn't get to to feel their pain. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's just a good reminder, right, is that a lot of these decisions that you see being made on SEO or paid ads, they're very numbers-driven, and sometimes it, it's nonsensical to a human. Um, but remember, there is an underlying mathematical model that sort of informs that decision. So try to understand what may be the thing that influences the math to not be aligned with uh, what you think as a person. Fred, what, what are the most common mistakes that you still see people do when running their, their PPC? 
Well, I mean, I think a bigger mistake nowadays is really about automation and kind of thinking about automation as a set it and forget it type system. Um, right. If you go into automated bidding, for example, automated bidding, its job is just to connect your conversion rate to your uh, cost per acquisition or ACOS or ROAS target. And it just does a very simple calculation based off of that. Uh, but the the return on ad spend that you're willing to take sort of depends seasonally for a lot of advertisers. It depends on clearances that you have, um, right? And, and discounts and big sales events. So I think you still need to go in and modify these targets for Google and manage the campaigns a little bit more actively and not just walk away from them because you're not going to get the best results if you do it that way. Um, so I think that's one big mistake. And then just losing sight of some of the, the easy optimizations like impression share is one metric within Google that will tell you how many more searches you could have gotten, how many more clicks you could have gotten. And even if you're on an automated bidding system or an automated campaign, well, it still tells you the impression share losses that you have. And so it could very simply say, hey, you're losing 50% impression share due to your rank not being good enough. And so why is your rank not good enough? Well, either you don't have a relevant enough ad, so go and optimize the ad text, or it's because your uh, target return on ad spend is too conservative. So make it a bit more aggressive and see if you could actually capture more conversions. And again, like you were saying, you know, how do you balance profit versus volume? Um, I think on Amazon, it's probably more important, like you're saying, because paid ads are really a way to, it, it's almost like feeding the organic algorithm. Uh, in Google, it's a little bit less so, but uh, but you still want to look at it. Oh, you know, you, you just touched on something that Amazon used to have uh, and they stopped it. I guess maybe there was a reason to stop it, but it was if you are losing money by not doing something, they would let you know. For example, they had one algorithm that if you ran out of stock, they would measure like your organic position where it was at that time and the, the conversion rate that you had and they would tell you. For example, last month you lost ninety thousand dollars because you weren't on stock. You didn't have stock, and that was so painful because I knew I was out of stock. <laughs> so they were telling me what I already was suffering for, and telling me that what that I lost something that technically I didn't because I, I it's not that I lost them and I just didn't make I didn't make it, but it was like. Just they were double down, <laughs> double yeah. dipping on my pain, right? And they stopped that. Either that, or I unsubscribed for those from those notifications. Uh, but <laughs> it's funny that uh, yeah, I know exactly. Again, Google does that too. I mean, they have this opportunity score, mm -hmm. so they will tell you things that are wrong with your campaign and sort of like what's the upside potential that could have been generated off of that. Uh, and again, I think there's sort of a delineation between the sophisticated professional marketers like uh, many of us listening today and you and me, but we just perceive things a little bit differently, right? So we don't need to be reminded because we're probably already looking at this, but your average marketer, hey, I ran out of stock. Hey, I, I didn't know because I wasn't paying attention. So thank you, Amazon, for reminding me. I need to talk to my supplier uh, or figure out where that container ship is headed. Right? And, and, and that's kind of the frustrating thing nowadays. Um, and this is actually a big, a big shift in the industry. 
is that in PPC and digital marketing, we've always sort of operated under this assumption of infinite supply, yeah. right? Oh, we need more Bluetooth headsets. Well, we'll just have more shipped, right? It's easy. You just increase your order. Um, but nowadays, that's not the case anymore. And so I think a lot of these lazy approaches that maybe people have taken under the assumption that there's infinite supply, that really doesn't work anymore. And so it's not that there's limited supply. It's more that supply is like spotty. So one week you have it, the next week you run out, but then the week after a new container finally shows up. And now it's more of a question of how do I keep my ads in sync with not wasting money, right? So my product is not available, take the ads offline, but the moment it comes back, okay, I got to be up and running again. Or maybe you want to have a strategy where you know your next container is not that far away. So you want to put people on the wait list, uh, but maybe you don't want to spend as much money for that. So now how do you go and automate your targets and your bids without having to do all of this manually and as a very tedious job? And, and that's really where I think tools like Optimizer and scripts and, and little automations can be very helpful because these are not complicated business decisions, but they're just very tedious when you have to implement them, right? But if we can tell a tool, okay, here's the conditions to look for, here's the action to take, it can automate that, right? And now you can free up your brain to think about more important stuff. Now that you mentioned that, does anything exist or or maybe if it doesn't, can it be created? Uh, for example, uh, a tool connected to Shopify here, we're not talking about Amazon or anything like that, because when you run ads on Google, they don't know how much inventory you have when you're selling on Shopify, correct? Mm -hmm. So if you run out of stock, the ad stays on and you're still paying the cost of every click and the person then goes to your site and you still have other products, but that particular one, you're out of stock. Is there any way to connect, uh, for example, your your Amazon, uh, your Google ads to, to your, your Shopify, Shopify store? Yeah, absolutely. And Hey, it's called Optimizer. <laughs> it does that? Yeah, so our tool will actually do that. It does it in a number of ways. So um, the, using the campaign automator, if that was your Shopify data coming in, we could look at the inventory number. You can, you can basically make a condition. So you can say, if my inventory goes below five, maybe you back off. Maybe you don't need to advertise because you know you'll sell that much yeah. organically anyway, right? So why put the money in? Uh, but you can do other things. So you can say, uh, we know that, I sell t-shirts and white and black t-shirts. Those are my, my most popular. So um, I can do a color criteria. So I can say, if I only have blue t-shirts, then I don't want to advertise. Um, so you can do all of these things. Um, and then we also have a tool, which is much easier to use. Actually, it's just, it's a broken URL checker. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that's not strictly like a 404 error, but it could also be like, is there a piece of text on the landing page that indicates an undesirable condition like low inventory, out of stock, back ordered? So we literally scan every landing page that you have for that word. And then if it meets those criteria, we'll just pause the ads associated with that landing page. So that's something that I never experienced before. Uh, on Amazon, it's easy if you have a normal sponsored product campaign when you run out of stock, the ad stops automatically. Yeah. Um, branded ones don't, but uh, outside of Amazon, nothing stops unless you have uh, really, really attention to detail or something like you just said. So Optimizer does that. Nice, nice. Exactly. And it's these, uh, it's like we're this whole suite of 
like 80 plus optimizations, very detailed ones like what we just talked about, like bid management, finding new keywords. And ultimately, we're kind of like this tool set, right? So uh, go and play with that tool set and figure out what optimizations you have. And now, to, obviously, you may not know what you don't know. So we also have an auditing capability that will go and analyze your account. And it will point to things that might have been new to you, right? Maybe you're um, targeting the whole world with a campaign. I will tell you that's generally not a good best practice. You want to split it out by different regions or by different languages. Um, or this whole impression share loss thing. Maybe you didn't know about this. Our tool will say, hey, look, here's a high converting campaign that actually has impression share loss due to your budget, right? So all that's missing is you were happily getting conversions, but then in the middle of the day, the budget runs out and the ad stops running. Like, again, that, that, that's what you were saying, right? The inventory yeah. was now there, but you weren't advertising for it. And it's like, oh, put a dagger in my heart for making that stupid of a mistake. Well, we'll tell you and we'll fix it for you. Um, and we can even automate it then for you. Beautiful. All right. So now one last thing, Fred, for everybody that's listening and they know already that the tool is Optimizer and they can find it at Optimizer.com. What they don't know is how to spell Optimizer, correct? <laughs> yeah, we've left out a few uh, letters here and there. It's O-P-T-M-Y-Z-R.com. Uh, but generally, if you Google search for it, you'll still find us and uh, click past those or click on all the ads of the uh, competitors and then come right back and sign up for the free trial of Optimizer. Actually, one thing that's quite exciting is if you're a, a low spend Google ads advertiser, if you're just getting started with it, we do have a free product now. It's called Optimizer Lite, uh, Lite as in L-I-T-E. And that's completely free to use up to uh, the first $10,000 in ad spend for one account. So, uh, you know free free audits free reports free suggestions um i think everyone likes free right yeah especially free reports uh, i was thinking about that to ask you earlier because when i go into adwords or google ads now um the reporting is still i mean uh, I've, I've i've been logging into it for years and there's still things that i i can never find i keep going through and clicking here and here. Uh, and does Optimizer give you a report that doesn't look like the Google Ads one? Oh, yeah. We have beautiful reports that are specifically intended to be shared with stakeholders. Mm. So it's a beautiful PDF. You can also project it on a screen, kind of like in a slide format. But uh, yeah, the whole point is your top KPIs, how many conversions, how much cost, what return on ad spend or a cost in, in case of Amazon. Um, and then as much level of detail as you want. So we have pre-built reports, literally one click, you get 10 beautiful pages you can just print and be done with, or you can start customizing it. And now the customization that is part of the optimizer core product for which you do have to pay. Uh, but if you just need something beautiful, that's completely available in optimizer light. Perfect. So Fred, is there anywhere else do you want people to go and look for you? Yeah, I'm also on Twitter at Silicon Valleys. So that's uh, Silicon and then my last name, V-A-L-L-A-E-Y-S. Nice. So you can hit me up on there, follow me. Uh, I run um, a live stream every couple of weeks called PPC Town Hall. We talk to a lot of PPC experts, so uh, we'd be happy to see people on there. Um, that's how you find me. Awesome. I'll have those on the show notes. Thanks, Silicon Valleys. That's good. That's a good Twitter name. Nice. Thank you. 
Fred, it was a pleasure having you here. And you're definitely the, the, the biggest uh, Google expert that I've had on the show. So uh, thanks for that. I'm, I'm happy to have uh, been your biggest so far. Uh, now on to bigger and better things for everyone, right? But thank you, Quinn. And thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Thank you.